Is there a conspiracy against Kratom in the FDA? We're talking with Mac Haddo, Senior Fellow on Public Policy for the American Kratom Association, and he discusses important legislation and information concerning Kratom in the next couple of episodes. Visit AmericanKratom.org for updates, information, and more importantly, a donation to help keep Kratom legal in your state. I hope you enjoy the show. It's such an honor to be speaking with Mr. Mac Haddo today. Thank you for coming on the show and helping us learn a little bit more about Kratom, Mac. I'm glad to be with you today. Uh, first of all, let's let's start with a well-rounded question just to get the ball rolling. Um, for someone who doesn't know or someone who's just learning about Kratom, what is the American Kratom Association? Uh, the American Kratom Association represents the more than 15 million Kratom consumers in the United States. And our purpose is to advocate with various government entities at the federal, state, and local level to ensure that consumers have access to safe Kratom products. And we fight hard against any bans that are being enacted and have been enacted in some jurisdictions. And for those that have bans, to uh, get those bans rescinded in order to allow for a regulatory framework that provides safe Kratom products to consumers, and that's our mission. Awesome. Well, you know, when whenever a, a new uh, Kratom consumer comes on and hears about the American Kratom Association, it's, it's really easy to understand that, you know, the AKA plays an important role to keep uncontaminated Kratom available for responsible Kratom tea drinkers. Um, uh, I've got some questions here. One of the questions that I have is it kind of just brings us into this whole this whole Kratom ad advocacy thing. Uh, the NIDA has pushed a lot of money into research of uh, Kratom as whether or not it can be an alternative to a prescription status drug. Uh, hearing about all these testimonies of Kratom within our community, why are so many states and representatives starting to push for a ban on this plant recently? Well, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, whom all of us would think uh, would be a trusted consumer protection organization, has for uh, probably a decade now been hell-bent in order to ban all Kratom. Uh, the reasons for that are unclear, but it, what we do know is that, uh, that dietary supplements in general have always been disfavored by the FDA because of their concern about potential adverse events and deaths associated with them. In the early 1990s, prior to the enactment of the Dietary Supplement Health and Education Act, the Congress was saying the very same things about all dietary supplements and vitamins that they're saying about Kratom today, that they are they are deadly. Uh, and, and by the way, it was true that some poorly formulated and adulterated dietary supplement products in the early 90s were in fact responsible for uh, the deaths of some people because they were adulterated. The same is true about Kratom. But the FDA doesn't see things in a balanced way. They look at a regulatory scheme. They want the power, and they continue to insist that they have the ability to force all uh, non-approved drugs into a, a new drug application process, which takes $3 billion in 10 years. And certainly with Kratom, that's a natural plant, there is no opportunity for that to happen, and they know it. It would only be if it were chemically synthesized uh, that anyone would have an interest, and then it would require an investor to know with certainty that the natural plant was banned 
from the marketplace because why would anyone purchase a very expensive prescription formulation of a natural plant when you can get it from the plant itself? So the FDA's motives are unclear. It's consistent with their anti-dietary supplement uh, uh, attitude that they've had for, for a long, long time. And in doing so, they're not serving consumers very well. Yeah, and I believe I believe I listened to you uh, in the San Diego hearing. Uh, you mentioned that the FDA claims kratom is an opioid because it hits the mu receptor in the brain. Why is this? Why are they pounding that all the time? Well, the the pharmacologic uh, activity of the two alkaloids in kratom that are suspect by the FDA is metrogenine and seven hydroxymetrogenine do hit the mu opioid receptors in the brain, as do many, many other substances that have virtually no impact on the respiratory system of a person who is using those compounds. And with Kratom, the same is true. It is what's called a partial agonist. But the FDA knows that by telling that, it does not further their narrative, which is to demonize Kratom and to get it banned. Uh, with opioids, we know that the problem with the opioid overdose deaths is that the pharmacologic action of an opioid is a what's called a full agonist, which means when it hits the respiratory system, you, it literally suffocates those people who go through an overdose. Too much of that product will create an, the inevitable death because of respiratory suppression. With kratom, you can you can ingest as much of the natural plant as you want, and you will not be able to ever get into an overdose situation in terms of respiratory failure because kratom is a partial agonist. It gets to what's called the G protein, protein arrestor in the brain, and it blocks any activity of any significance on the respiratory system. So when the FDA gets up and says, oh, it's an opioid and has the same effects as classic opioids, it simply is untrue. It is a false statement. And to allow Dr. Gottlieb, former commissioner of the FDA, to say that, uh, was was really malpractice from a physician standpoint, but it was part of the regulatory agenda of the FDA. And unfortunately, the FDA has has filled the the propaganda pipeline, which has has encouraged otherwise well-intentioned public officials and elected officials around the country to to ban it. The the premise for the bans of the first six states that banned it was all because the FDA told them that there were nine deaths that were associated with the use of Kratom in Sweden in 2009 in a 12-month period. Now, that got the attention of virtually every public health official in the world. When you see that cluster of deaths in that short period of time from one specific product, then there should be a reaction. And in this case, the FDA told all the states, well, you should ban it. Six of the states got seduced by that false statement. And the reason I say it's false is not that the nine deaths didn't occur, but when researchers looked at those nine deaths in Sweden, they determined, and this is a peer-reviewed published article, which means that it was carefully vetted by fellow scientists, those deaths were all uh, the result of a, an adulterated kratom product with O-desmethyltramadol, which is a powerful chemical where if you put the same amount of O-desmethyltramadol in your cup of coffee, you'd be dead within minutes. Same is true yeah. of any other substance. So to claim that kratom was associated with the death because it was adulterated with O-desmethyltramadol, a lethal dose of it, is completely false. And yet they've never corrected that. And in fact, in 2016, uh, five years after they knew of the peer-reviewed published article that documented the true cause of those deaths, the FDA continued to, they added it to the 
the document they submitted to the Drug, Drug Enforcement Administration justifying the scheduling recommendation that they were making. They repeated it in 2017 after the original recommendation was rejected by the DEA. They continued to add those nine deaths. And today, whenever they talk about Kratom, they talk about 44 Kratom-associated deaths, including those nine deaths, which were completely discredited. And by the way, all of the other deaths that they cited were studied by the National Institutes on Drug Abuse, all 44, with the exception of one, with, for, for which there was no blood sample available that anyone could test, all were the result of either polydrug use or adulterated kratom products. That is not a case to be made for scheduling. That is a case for better regulation, to eliminate from the marketplace those adulterated products. And that's why the Kratom Consumer Protection Act that the American Kratom Association promotes is the best way to ensure that consumers have access to safe kratom products, not to ban them. It and, and and I'm going to veer off my questions right here. I, I promised myself I wouldn't do this, but you, you've you've lit a fire under me now. Uh, in February 2018, the FDA came out with the statement of all of these deaths that you were talking about. The uh, I believe they even landed on was it 64 or something like that. No, 44. And, they claim 44. Now the okay. Centers for Disease Control has said that there are actually 91. Kratom detected deaths. Now, that's a little different. They're getting more accurate with the CDC, which means that when a death occurred that a coroner or medical examiner identified in the talk screen of the decedent the presence of Kratom. That's not surprising given the number of people in the United States who are using Kratom as a way to wean off of potentially deadly opioids. So the fact that it would be in the bloodstream of someone who overdosed from an opioid is not surprising at all, and it's certainly not the cause of the death. But most importantly, when the FDA published their 44 deaths, it is important to know that the, the documents that they used, and by the way, again, we would like to be able to trust the FDA. There is no reason to with respect to Kratom because when they publish that data, they have a, a, there's a statute called the Information Quality Act that requires a federal agency that uses data to validate that data in order to make the point that they're trying to make. And in this case, they're looking at a major public policy decision by scheduling Kratom, and they sent this information to the Drug Enforcement Administration, which if a private citizen did it, you'd be in jail for making a false statement to the federal government <laughs> because those 44 deaths were never related to uh, Kratom. Just as an example, when we looked at them, we asked for and received a, under a Freedom Information Act the the medical records for each one of those deaths that were available, all, all but one, had medical records. But the, the shoddiness of the research that was done by the FDA analyst is bizarre. They, they took, for example, a kid that had bipolar disease throughout his life who had been released from a mental institution the week before who, who hung himself, committed suicide, and they found that he had seven or eight illicit substances in his bloodstream, and he also had kratom. And they blamed that on Kratom. Then you yeah. look at the, uh, the death of a man in Germany. And by the way, this is important too. Those 44 deaths are over a five-year period globally. Normally, when the FDA submits a, a, uh, a application for scheduling to the Drug Enforcement Administration, it is, it is deaths that occur within a reasonable time frame, three to six months, in the United States. Here, they had 44 deaths over a five-year period, and every death is tragic, by the way, but to suggest that that is statistically significant or supportive of any public policy change is simply absurd, that the FDA had to do it because in order to fit the narrative that they have where they want to ban Kratom, they had to stretch and find what they could. They had a case 
of a man who jumped out of a window during some party, uh, fell to the ground, broke his arm, had severe internal injuries, refused treatment, medical treatment, went up to his room, laid down, and died two hours later because of those internal injuries. He had 11 substances in his system that were illegal, and he also happened to be taking Kratom. And they blame no, that on Kratom. Now, the, yeah. the, you, you, cannot, you cannot even fathom how that could be a reasonable conclusion by a public health official, and then you look at the one that was great. They put out a uh, one of the deaths was completely redacted except except for the first name and the date of the the date of birth of the decedent and the date of the death. Everything else read like a Hillary Clinton email redacted by the State Department, completely black, three pages of, of uh, documentation. None of the others were like that, so it surprised us. And we asked, why is it? Well, it's because of HIPAA regulations, which the, 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 we can't disclose. Well, that isn't consistent with the other deaths. But it was an enterprising reporter for Huffington Post, Nick Wing, who was working on a completely uh, different issue and a story at the FDA, happened to come across that autopsy report in another database at the FDA that was fully unredacted, and he received it under a FOIA request. It was the same death because it matched up to the, the, uh, the form of the document, the name of the decedent, the date of the decedent, and his birth date. Uh, so it was clearly the same one. But when you looked at that medical report, it, it, it is true that Kratom did pop in the talk screen uh, of the autopsy. But what the person died of was two gunshot wounds to the chest. And he has <laughs> to have nine other drugs in the system. Now, there is no way, no way possible for any responsible public health official to use that kind of documentation to make a claim that that's why you should schedule Kratom. That's why maybe we should ban people from getting guns that are that are involved in drug deals. I don't know what the, the solution is, but it's not to ban Kratom because that wasn't the cause of that death. It was two gunshot wounds to the chest. Now, it's unfathomable how anybody with any with any common sense could think that the FDA is justified in their war on Kratom, but that's what they're up to, and they, they don't care about what it looks like. They just rely upon people believing that when the FDA speaks, that you can believe them. That is no longer true, sadly. With that narrative the FDA was doing back in 2018, I come across an article uh, from the National Institute of Drug Abuse right after the FDA released that statement, and, and it said, uncontaminated kratom does not cause death. And the next day, that statement was gone. I screenshot that, and I could actually prove that it was actually on the National Institute of Drug Abuse uh, website. Uh, and so I don't know how or why the statement was redacted, but it, it, it brings me to my next question. Uh, they're talking about contaminated kratom is, is, and this is what basically we're talking about. Contaminated kratom is, is really the, one of the precursors of this. And so I believe that's how the Kratom Consumer Protection Act and, and all these strategies that we're implementing to representatives in states. Can you talk a little bit about uh, further protection against contaminated Kratom products? Absolutely. But first, let me explain to you what happened with NIDA. Uh, okay. Originally, in 2016, the National Institute on Drug Abuse signed off on and agreed with the recommended uh, scheduling of Kratom that was submitted under the emergency powers section of the Controlled Substances Act. They believed, because the FDA convinced them that it was the case, that this was an imminent threat to the public health. But they do their own research, and as they examined the death data, which we turned over to them, 
uh, they agreed with the American Kratom Association that these were not uh, deaths that could be properly associated with pure Kratom. They were, in fact, adulterated and contaminated Kratom deaths or the result of polydrug use. So when they put that statement up, the conclusion of their analysis, the FDA went ballistic. And the reason that the NIDA people took it down, based on conversations we have had with them, is that the FDA was literally challenging the methodology that they had used in order to come to that conclusion. Now, that's, that's, an, that's the pot calling the kettle black, but that's yeah. what they did. So, so NIDA took down the statement, and then they did something that was critically important. They authorized two animal studies to determine whether or not Kratom had the dangers that the FDA claimed, and they looked specifically at the criteria that's in the Controlled Substances Act for scheduling that requires that a substance be dangerously addictive. So the gold standard for that test is an animal study. They funded two independent studies because they wanted to have a validating study in the event that they contradicted one another, uh, which sometimes happens, but in this case it did not. Both of those studies came back with the conclusion that Kratom has no significant addiction liability. So the, the, the premise for a scheduling request is eviscerated because that is a requirement under the statute for a scheduling uh, decision to be made. It, there is no significant addiction liability to the use of Kratom. You can be dependent on it much like you can caffeine. And we don't ban caffeine. We don't, we don't schedule caffeine. We do ban concentrated caffeine tablets because they can kill. That could be done with Kratom. We have no objection to that. But the, the other is, uh, finding by NIDA that was critically important in these two animal studies was that in both studies, the test animals actually had a reduction in the craving for morphine that, were, that was the reference drug used in the studies. Now, think about that. If there is a reduction in the cravings for morphine, that validates all of the anecdotal reports that have been made, hundreds and hundreds of cases of people saying, I have successfully used Kratom to reduce or eliminate opioid use in the management of acute and chronic pain. That, yep. should, that should be celebrated everywhere, but it was not. And so what we are advocating for, because it is clear that the FDA is biased in this area, they are not going to be rational about it, we have gone to the states to do what the FDA should be doing, and that is essentially this, that any Kratom product that's introduced into commerce must first be certified that it is free from any adulteration or contamination. So it requires a certificate of analysis from an independent lab verifying that the product that is placed into commerce in that state is free, it's pure Kratom. It's not going to be adulterated. It also requires that the, uh, the label that's placed on that product lists all of the ingredients. Now, that's important because we don't want to see something that uh, is in that product that may have no effect whatever but could be uh, a, uh, an allergen to a, a consumer. They should have an informed decision about whether they want to buy that product. It also requires that there can be no synthesization of any of the alkaloids. So you can't take 70, 7-OH, which occurs at about 1.5% of the total alkaloid content of a kratom plant. You can't enhance that. Some commercial products have done that. And the purpose of it is to do what Kratom doesn't do naturally, and that is to create a euphoric high. And if you can take Kratom and you get a, a uh, reinforcing euphoric high, which is why opioids are so addictive, uh, then you can sell more product. That's the theory behind these unscrupulous vendors. And so what we want to make sure is that the product that is sold does not artificially enhance in any way the alkaloid content of the plant that exists in the natural plant. So that's a requirement. Then we also... Uh, advocate for 
a uh, that there not be minors uh, that you know, 18 or under, 21 or under, whatever the state wants to do, that minors cannot purchase this product without con consulting their parents and getting the parents to do it for them. Uh, we think those are reasonable restrictions in the marketplace that will protect the public health. Uh, right now, uh, we have adulterated kratom products that are being sold. People think they're buying pure kratom, and in fact, they're putting their their own uh, well-being at risk because it's an unregulated marketplace. We want to make sure that people, when they purchase a Kratom product, that it's safe. They they know if there is an adverse event, they know and the labeling would require the identification of the manufacturer and contact information. They know where they can go to make a report and that the warning labels that are on it uh, are appropriate to the circumstances. For example, we recommend, because there's no good data at this point to justify the safety of the use of Kratom during pregnancy, that uh, the pregnant women should defer using it. But that's true of many substances that are currently in the marketplace. So we think that's a reasonable and rational uh, public health policy going forward. And that's what the Kratom Consumer Protection Act does. It is now enacted in Utah, in Georgia, Arizona, and Nevada. It is before the legislatures now in over 21 states. Uh, we have several bans that have been proposed. And in those cases where we've been able to have discussions with the sponsors of those banned proposals, as happened in Maryland, as an example, uh, we've convinced them with the science that the FDA is wrong and that the better public policy is to provide appropriate restrictions. And we're working the, – the ban was, uh, was defeated and amended to include just a age restriction, and they're working with us now uh, that we hope in the next year or so we're going to be able to convince Maryland to enact – the regulatory provisions of the Kratom Consumer Protection Act. In Hawaii, there was a ban uh, proposed, and we got word this morning that the uh, the bill was killed in the Senate Health Committee because of the information that we provided to them, which documents that there really needs to be more study on this issue about the regulatory scheme rather than banning. That was great news. Uh, yeah. We do have bans in South Dakota that are proposed. We're working with them now. We have bans in New Hampshire. We understand that one may be coming in Connecticut. But everywhere there's a ban, we've been there to explain the science, to show them that the FDA has been wrong about this, and the crusade that the FDA is on against Kratom is really about their regulatory powers and not about the science. And that's why we win when we have the opportunity to explain this. In San Diego County last week, uh, and San Diego County is as big as many states, 3 million people, there was a ban proposed, and the sponsor of the ban amended her uh, ordinance uh, resolution to include a review of the Kratom Consumer Protection Act, and they will, I'm very confident, based on the conversations I have with county staff, uh, and there are more meetings that will be planned on this, I am certain that they're going to adopt, as they're allowed to do so under California law, as much of the Kratom Consumer Protection Act as they can do. But certainly, they, I think it's reasonable to say they will only do an age restriction rather than a ban. So, we, again, when we get the science in front of these public policy officials, they listen. When we are able to dispute the claims made by the FDA, we can discredit their their obvious objective to increase their regulatory power, and we can ensure that safe trading products get in the hands of consumers. Okay, okay. So you mentioned there's there's several uh, bans coming up. For instance, Illinois filed uh, HB 5667 on the 14th of February. That's going to list Kratom as a Schedule II if it passes. In an example like Illinois, what are the sequence of events the AKA takes to address something like this? Well, this this one in Illinois surprised us because we hadn't heard that there was any interest in doing that. We do have 
the Kratom Consumer Protection Act that was filed on the House side two weeks ago, and Senator Sims on the Senate side, uh, chairman of the Judiciary Committee, filed it on the uh, on Friday. So uh, the 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 bill to ban was a surprise to us, but we're prepared for it because we have lobbyists on the ground, and they are going to work with the sponsor of the ban bill. And who knows whether they were completely independent events or if this was something that he was asked to do by some. And, and some of our enemies, by the way, are those people who have uh, gotten into the FDA's web of deceit uh, and in public health uh, departments and, in some cases, pharmacy boards. So we're going to find out about that. But I'm confident that Illinois is going to be on the right track. We had a ban proposed in Missouri, but we also had the Kratom Consumer Protection Act, which is now in its second year of review, and it passed the House Committee unanimously. So the, it doesn't look like the Kratom ban on the Senate side is going to get uh, out of the Senate, and I think we're going to be successful in Missouri. So these are – these I call it hand-to-hand combat in the lobbying field. We have got to get in and fight against the disinformation that the FDA puts out. And to just, t- just give you an illustration of how powerful it can be when the FDA tries to, to interfere, in Utah it passed 24 to 1 in the state Senate. In Georgia it was a 164 to 1 vote in the House and 50 to nothing in the Senate. It was, it was unanimous in both houses in Arizona. When we got to Nevada, the FDA had woken up, and we did pass it unanimously in the Senate, but it was a 39-14 vote in the House. And we lost 14 votes because a medical doctor who had been contacted by the FDA, who was a member of the Nevada House of Representatives, stood up on the floor in the day of the vote and, and made the very best powerful case the FDA could make with all of their lies, and we had still been able to convince with the science the 39 of, against 14, the FDA uh, was furious about having lost it because they thought it was a slam dunk. They had picked the most influential mm-hmm. public health person in the Nevada legislature, and they still lost. And so the, I, all that resulted in is the FDA is more active. Uh, they found that w- what, since they cannot convince the Drug Enforcement Administration to schedule, they want to go out and have local communities do it or states. So we're there every every place we can be. Now, there are some states where we have significant problems. In Mississippi, there is a drug policy task force that is going around county by county, and they are convincing state or rather county uh, boards of supervisors or town councils to ban Kratom. It is a ridiculous public policy, and yet they promote it because everything they talk about is the FDA's propaganda. And the war on Kratom by the FDA is not about Kratom. It's about, it's about the, the authority that the FDA wants to have over all products because they failed so miserably in managing the opioid crisis. They want to, they want to blame everybody but themselves. And so they're out there claiming that they're trying to protect the public health when in fact they're only protecting their regulatory authority. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, in, in 2016, the FDA, uh, compiled up with the DEA for that federal ban, and it seems that when the DEA backed off in 2016, that the the FDA kind of changed their strategy a little bit. If they couldn't get it banned on a federal level, it seems like they're going state by state. I mean, what I, in you know it, all of these states, even in the first part of this year in 2020, what do you think is going on inside of each of these states that's that's causing this domino effect against kratom? Most state legislators uh, are, are really well-intentioned people who are responding to uh, information they receive. In many cases, it comes from a constituent. That was true in Maryland. Uh, it was true in Missouri. 
Uh, and it was true in Hawaii, where a state legislator got a report from a consumer who bought into the FDA line, who had a family member that had died of an overdose, who may have also been taking Kratom at the time. And rather than, than blame the opioids and the bad behavior associated with that by the person who died, they pick on Kratom because the FDA tells them that's the way it is. We had a coroner in the state of Idaho who reported a death that was a poly drug use death that happened to have Kratom in the talk screen, and the medical examiner listed the Kratom, but as the cause of death, appropriately listed the uh, poly drug use and the illicit substances. The FDA literally called him and, and lobbied him to change it to a Kratom-associated death, and he refused. And he picked up the phone and called us and told us about this experience. Oh, man. That tells you how <laughs> far the FDA has drilled down in trying to build their false case against Kratom. They will do anything in order to get it. So to encourage and lobby a medical examiner to change their report in order to justify the regulatory agenda of the FDA tells you how corrupt the federal the FDA is right now with respect to Kratom. That's 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 wild. It's just wild that, that it would it would be that drastic. Um what would be the most important tip that you could give a Kratom consumer that, that helps them stay active and informed about about what's going on in their own state with Kratom? Well, two things. Uh, stay up to breast. When you hear about it, let us know or check the AKA website because uh, we track these things as closely as we can. We love to hear from creative consumers when something happens in their local community or in their state so that we can verify that we have that information. That's very important. There is a, a whole set of tools and documents available for people to download that they can share with their local government or their state representative or state senator. And then uh, – when, when you can, for those that are able to do so, make a contribution to the AK because these are expensive battles. We're spending more than $150,000 a month right now on lobbyists around these states because the FDA has opened up these battlegrounds, and we have to be there in order to fight it. And that's expensive but necessary in order for us to preserve the marketplace for safe Kratom products. That's a good point. Uh, AmericanKratom.org is the website. And there is a ton of information on there. Uh, they always keep it up to date. Um, they have advocacy tabs, science tabs, media tabs, anything that you need. Uh, even even shows you what to do uh, to have a first impression with your representatives. So it's very uh, a lot of good information in there. So, um, hey, Mr. Haddo, thank you so much for spending time with us today. I know I speak for millions of Kratom advocates when I say we appreciate everything the American Kratom Association is doing on behalf of our plant. Look, I watched, I mentioned I watched that video of you speaking at the San Diego hearing, and I turned to my wife and I was like, man, this guy's on our side. He's, he, this is good. We're very fortunate to have you and the rest of, of the AKA on our side. So thank you, Mr. Haddo, and thank you for being on the show today. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much. Stay updated on news, events, and calls to action anytime on AmericanKratom.org. Please continue to donate to the AKA to keep Kratom legal in your state. No donation is too small. Thank you for listening to the Botanical Resistance Show. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. Follow the Botanical Resistance on Instagram and Facebook at Botanical Resistance. Always remember to Kratom on.